talk with me and Sam. Groove talk with me and Sam. City women getting with it. Up high. <laughs> hey y'all, it's Mia. And Sam. And Sky. And welcome back to Roof Talk. Back at it again. Oh, damn, Daniel. So just really, I think, okay, so this is funny. I just started seeing a new therapist. I had my second session with her today. I'm mm-hmm. obsessed with her. She's everything. And she was like, you know, like when you, not only when you start a therapy session, but also when you're seeing a new therapist, like when you sit down, it's like, so how are you? And like, you're, you don't know exactly, like there was a lot for me to talk about, but I was just kind of like, you like sit, you like sit on the couch and you're like. Good, I'm good. I'm good. Where how do are I, you? Where do I start? I'm like, how are you? How are you? You know? And she was like, what have you been up to this week? And I was like, well, I'm moving. So that's like my whole life. But I'm taking the night off to record a podcast episode. She was like, with who? What's your podcast? So I told her all about Roof Talk. And then I was like, and she was like, so who's your guest? And I was like, well, actually, it's funny because like I've known Sky for a really long time, but we weren't always friends, but I've known her like and been around her for a long time. But yeah. me has also known her for a long time but me and Mia weren't friends for a lot of that time she was like she thought it was so fascinating she was like um, she was like well, send, send it to me send it to me when it gets published I'm obsessed cute. I feel like though yeah it is a weird not weird but a fascinating sort of like overlapping of histories because you knew Kyle in high school way back my husband when. Kyle I'm probably yeah, gonna sh- talk about Kyle later shout out, but shout out Kyle Ivy so like you knew Kyle in high school but then I didn't meet you until after I no. We graduated from college. I only so knew I've you. known you longer, but then like yeah, yeah, we were I like only, friends. It was yeah, I knew so you funny. as like the gorgeous girl in Kyle's pictures <laughs> all through college, right? Yeah, like, cause obviously, I met, obviously, right? Obviously, because <laughs> I met Kyle when I was yeah six, 16 going on seventeen. Name Liter- that literally. Um, did you yeah. have your birthday there? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. It was really cute. Like some of my friends like got up really early and went and got me pancakes from like my oh, favorite little so spot. Fun. It was so cute. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, so I met you in 2017. Yeah. We happened to be in Hawaii at the same time. It was so serendipitous. Crazy. Like meant to be. You it was. Oh, for meant. sure. It for sure was because we were on the same island. We were a 15 minute walk like along the water. And you hadn't seen, and Janelle was with you. Janelle was with me, yeah. And neither of you had seen Kyle since, I hadn't call s- it, like, a long time, too. I hadn't seen him. He randomly came to visit NYU. He stayed with some of our friends, because he was, oh, I think, I don't auditioning. I think he was auditioning for Summerstock, and so he came our sophomore year. And I oh, remember, funny, I don't remember that. Yeah, funny, funny. He was, like, in our dorm. I was like, wait, Kyle Ivey? Like, <laughs> I didn't Kyle Ivey, what? Wait. Oh, yeah, my God. Exactly. Yeah, so, and y'all know each other from school. Yeah, we went, I was a year above, mm-hmm. I was the year above them in school. So, like, Kyle's freshman year, you weren't there yet. No, I transferred. But I, of course, yeah. like, you would come and visit and stuff. And I did, all, like, yeah. You know, of course, like, when, like, the incoming freshman class is, like, on Facebook, like, you, like, you know, go and look at all of their stuff. And so <laughs> I, I had seen Sky, and then, basically, when Sky came to school, um, she like stage managed shows that I did. So like right. we like would see each other like at like drunken parties and stuff. We weren't we were never not friends, but we also weren't friends. Yeah. Um like and like if you would ask me about Sky when I was in school, I'd be like, Sky's super cool. Like I don't know her, but she's super cool. Well, I just feel like cause we definitely okay, well the first show I did at CCM was Legally, Legally Blonde, Blonde. And that is how we became like friendly. Even though we weren't friends, friends, just because it didn't, we were I like, we were like great difference. Yeah. So we were very friendly because I was the dog wrangler. <gasps> and so Sam had to pet the dog. I was any chance with, she got I was constantly with the dogs, but also the boxer was the sweetest. Yeah. That's what, yeah. He, and you know, like dog. dog wranglers are always like, don't pet the dog, don't pet the dog. And he was like, really? So chill. Yeah. Cause you don't want to like distract, you know, they're performer, they're preparing. <laughs> he was but really he well was behaved. So chill. But yeah, oh, I also like. I also think it's funny that like, I don't know if we had like become friends in college if we would be good friends now. Oh, funny! You I've know not I mean? thought about that a little bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe we would be, but like, it was like I feel like things happen for a reason, right? Like mm-hmm. you and I, me and I are friends for a reason. You guys connected in Hawaii for a reason. Like something, right. something yeah. came down that was like you guys are gonna be on the same island of Hawaii. 
with friends at the same time. Like, and then the way that we kind of like reconnected was also for a reason. So like, it's just kind of all funny, but like the groundwork is kind of there. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is very cool. It's funny because I hadn't thought about it, but we are very, I mean, speaking for both of us, we're very different people from Mm -hmm. when we were in college. Mm -hmm. So that is interesting to think about. Like maybe we wouldn't wouldn't have gotten along then. Oh my God. I was a raging bitch in college. (laughs) (laughs) But, But also, but also, but also like... We, I mean, who I, was it? Like, come well, on. That, well, that's my thing, though. Me like, too. we went to we went to a fucking crazy program, and like, I'm very thankful for it in many ways. But also, like, wow, like if I could go back and tell myself, like, girl, calm chill. the fuck down, right. literally, ch- literally, chill out. It's the school play. Yeah, it's the school play. Chill out. But like, I mean, yeah, like I was not kind. Oh my gosh. We, you know. You're over. I mean, we've talked yeah. about this on here before, but you're overstimulated. You're oversaturated with everything while you're in college, especially at a conservatory program. Yeah. So like, we need to cut ourselves a little slack because you're also moving away from home for the first time, and you're confronting all of your deepest, darkest fears at eight a.m. in a voice <laughs> class. <laughs> so yeah. like, honestly, the mo- the most friendly and like the most chill and cool that I was in school was when I was working at Drunken Bento, which was the restaurant that oh, I worked at. Oh, for sure. Because, yeah. because that we, was lower stakes. Well, it was lower stakes. Yeah. We didn't have to, I wasn't like constantly thinking about what I was going to teach jazz for or like who was getting the part. Like I literally was just serving sushi and like that was like, you know, like people that I wasn't really friends with in school, like they would come in and I right. would be like, oh my God, it's so nice to see you. Like, um, it's like all the fraternity boys come in. Like, God, like, can I get you a drink? We would have a drink right. together. It was yeah. like, but other than that, oh my God, I was mean. I was mean. Well, I mean, I really try to like not, college was crazy. Like even like high school years I also went to performing arts high school, Mm -hmm. so it was, like, the miniature version Mm -hmm. of CCM. Definitely, you know, a lot of levels down, but the same sort of, like, competitive thing. Cattiness, all of that. So I feel like I can't judge anybody from that time because... No, not at all. It was just a lot for for anyone. (laughs) Like, 16 and, like, going up against your best friend for a part like the same girl always getting the parts Uh you like being so emotional and upset about you know because you're 16 you can't control your emotions and then you like have to be friends with her like all of that sort of it was wild everyone's mental health was like in the fucking gutter because we were expected to like put our guts on the floor and then it was like okay it's 12 10 clean them up and go to your next class and you're like well now i I just, like, splattered all my stuff everywhere, and now, like, I need someone to help, and there was no mental health aspect. Aftercare. At the time. There now no there, there, there is one being implemented now, but, like, mm-hmm. that was also, like, when we were in school, like, therapy wasn't a necessity for people. Like, our generation, mm. like, definitely started the active routine of therapy after college, and, like, sure. my, my first therapist that I was seeing, like, as an adult... I was, like, talking about all of this stuff, like, all of this stuff from college, and she was like, are you okay? Yeah, when you talk to somebody outside of it, well, I'll talk, like, I've brought up, like, this is what a stage manager does in therapy, and therapists are like, what the hell? That sounds so, like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's great, I love it. They're like, okay, you know, like, people, like, wouldn't believe me. You're like, they're like, I have questions. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, the one thing that I think was good about those collegiate programs is Mm -hmm. that, like, you go through so many bad things, like, whether it's friendships, finding yourself, um, crossing fingers for everyone that is going into one that you kind of, in a way, it prepares you for anything. I agree. I have been in some really, and, like, the, I, I love our industry, Again, what we were talking about last week um, with Alex, you can love something and also acknowledge its flaws. And you don't have to love it any less for calling it out. Our industry has a lot of work to do in literally every aspect. But, like, I love it. And so, therefore, I choose to be in it, right? And Mm -hmm. our, like, toxic collegiate programs did prepare us for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Of course there's cleanup. Like, you know, like I had like, you know, a lot of therapy, a lot of checking in, a lot of 
you know, adult friendships with people that I wasn't necessarily friends with in college. But yeah, totally. Industry wise, I can walk into confidently, I can walk into any room, any room, and know that I am well versed to handle the situation. Mm. Oh, I feel that way in side jobs too. Ooh, yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. just, it's, you really are equipped to handle anything, which is, you know. And I don't even think you realize the skills you're learning until you implement them in real life situations. And then right. you're like, did I learn that from theater school? Okay, I guess I did. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, and then I feel like there are so many social aspects that you learn as a performer that then help like you navigate the world, not even just in work. Mm. But then in stage management, which is what I studied specifically, like any... I, my skills from that are applicable to so many different jobs. And then you also saying like, we're prepared for anything. I have had like the craziest, like terrible, horrible, like things happen in the middle of a show. And so yeah, you can tell that story in a second. I already Sam looked at me and your eyes went, oh, I just remember one of those stories. Oh, oh no. But literally, prepared for anything, go ahead, Sam. I have to have it. Oh, I'll chime in, but I have to hear it from you. It's oh, my God. Thing, like, CCM shows were the reason that I decided to go there. Me too. Because the production quality of the shows is Better than Broadway. Like, it, Le- I saw, I saw Les Mis when I was interviewing. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Kyle was in Les Mis. Yeah. Right? And it, it was, was beautiful. I'll show you a picture of the set afterward. Yeah. Well, because CCM's tech programs Incredible. are like said to be the, the, the best. All that to say. Like, he, uh, yeah. And people are everywhere working on all sorts of things because that's another thing that like the CCM tech program prepares you for. I, I worked everything. I worked on all different types of shows there. So Well and everything is yeah. built well, all this to say everything is built from scratch, which makes it really cool. So Carousel was an all out showstopper. Like there yes. were there were flowers like flowing in the breeze from the ceiling. Yeah, like the blossoms coming down they came down on a forty five degree angle. Mad. And in the and in the It's tr- magic it's, actually it's, Okay, literally it's Mouth, it's an angle, but okay. Well, so in the dream ballet, <laughs> in the dream ballet, it's like a, the dream ballet is a story, and so mm-hmm. there were these big ass sand dunes. What? It was one automated, specific uh, that was automated. Guy, this yeah, automated yeah, yeah. sand dune that, like, amidst the dream ballet, the, like, it's like two people intimately dancing on stage, and this big ass sand dune, like. Just like, just like, literally Roombaing yeah, along the back like, of the stage. Like and there, that was not a high tech like automation piece. That was like a remote, con- like a fancy remote control um, car. Like literally, there was like a freshman crew, like run crew kid, like on the side of the stage. Like it was. Cute. So I don't. Do you the, the batteries died? So honestly, I don't. Yeah. So you're already laughing. I don't remember a hundred percent. All I know is that call Laura Stanger. She would tell us, but it like, all I know is that it stopped moving. It stopped. Stage, and but, they sent the crew. Well, on so stage. the best part was that it locked down. So whatever happened, like if the battery died or whatever, you like couldn't move it. No, it, no, but the like brakes locked down. So like, have you ever tried to move a set piece when oh. you forget to like bring the breakup that guy is not moving so my psm (laughs) the amazing laura stanger was like go go get it and i was like (laughs) what she's like go on stage and i'm like looking like you know you're opening night right was it i'm pretty sure it was it was like thursday night oh no i can't believe i went back in the next day if that was opening i don't remember honestly maybe i believe you but it was like I was looking, you fill in the blanks, right? In an emergency. Course, so yeah. I was like looking for like, who, who are the biggest, tallest, like ensemble men in costume? They'll go push it. Certainly she's not talking about me. And then she goes, no, you move it. <laughs> and I literally threw, like, I remember throwing my clipboard and being like, okay, let's go. And I literally walked out on stage in the middle of the dream ballet by myself fully in my run you know whatever headset and then the 
nobody came out after me. Like, the crew didn't come out. There were other ASMs. Nobody came out. I was standing backstage watching. Because you you weren't, like, by me when I went on. I remember. It was the one show that I've ever done where I didn't dance a single step. Ben Biggers danced more than I did (laughs) in the show. And so, of course, I was, like, going to watch the Dream Ballet. And I'm standing there. And all of a sudden, I look over. And I see Sky, like, running on stage. And I was like, you're like, that's not right. That can't be it. And then I look over. And I just see, like. It didn't, so that's the kicker. It didn't move. So, like, I put my hands up to it, and, like, my whole body, like, slid back behind me, and it wouldn't move. And then I turned, I remember yelling over headset, yelling, which, against the rules, but I was yelling. You're on, you're in the show at this point. They need to insert in the playbill. I was acting. And, like, the other ASM came out, a bunch of the run crew came out, and, like, uh, Michelle Kay, like the stage management advisor, always made fun of me because I like turned around and like got the crew. Like I was all like crazy, like get out of here, like I'm gonna push it to myself. And so we got it off stage, and I made my they, Corbett did, debut. It was hilarious. I'm trying to think. You're such a good storyteller. Also, oh my gosh, have you ever been told that? No. You're a hilarious. It is true though. She and also yeah, she was like she was like. I'm I'm dead. I love onstage mishaps. I love onstage oh. mishaps. They're my fucking. Ooh, me too. But like, I would prefer not to go on stage of to fix course. the mishap. But I have to say, since that moment, if any stage mi- like I did a show in 2019, an opera where glass broke on the stage. Oh there are like God. 300 people on stage. <gasps> Nobody's coming off. So you like go on and you sweep up the like you sweep up the glass. Yeah. Like dancers were barefoot. You go out and you do it. Oh my and God. That's, you don't want to hold for like, it depends. Every stage manager is different, but it was just like right down stage, like in the corner. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, got a IATSE crew member and I said, we're going to go sweep this. And we did. And I had zero like qualms or fears about it course, because I was it. like, I'm not, you know, like pushing a freaking sand dune across the stage. <laughs> Nobody's going to even notice that I'm here. Like there's <laughs> nothing. So I'm like, you need somebody to go on stage and like fix something. Okay, I got like it doesn't bother me, which is weird. But oh again, you're equipped to like kind of to handle anything. 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 You've, moved, you've moved a sand dune before. Like, Crazy. Who can say that? Wait. So okay. So where? Tell everyone where you're from. Tell them, you know, your hopes and dreams. Tell them. Everything. Oh boy. Um. So I am from a little bit of all over. I was born outside of Baltimore, and then, yeah, Sam, shout out, Sam, we like Baltimore. We rep. And Mm -hmm. then I grew up in Treasure Island, Florida, St. Petersburg area, that's, like, my happy place, like, childhood memories, like, I was such a, like, beach kid, just running around, like, always outside, always in the water, doing something, playing mermaids, like, idyllic childhood, really, which I maybe didn't... It's something that, like, once you have perspective on, you're like, oh, that was incredible. Yeah, that was the goal. And then during the recession, my family, we moved out to Las Vegas, which was, like, arriving on a different planet. I remember the first day we got there, and we were all like, whoa, what is this? And it was... It was a tough moment in time, I think, for my family. And then again, like in perspective like it was wonderful like I would not be as close to my brother for sure my parents um as I am without that and I also never would have met my husband I probably never would have done stage management so there are all of these things that you're like oh like things happen for a reason um totally hopes and dreams (laughs) whatever you whatever I don't know hopes and dreams still figuring it out I feel like I don't know if it's COVID or if it's just like maybe my place in like life whatever but I feel like I'm sort of doing this sort of um like saying yes to everything or sort of just trying new things and doing stuff so even like I've had all sorts of jobs since graduating from college stage management, wedding planning, you know, all sorts of different things. And it's just like, I'm trying to try different things and see what happens. So I think that's like always evolving. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about Kyle. 
Yeah, I would love to talk about because Kyle. because also like, I I like a lot of what. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's antibiotic time. Am I getting dang? I'm off to sell. We're not getting dang. No, this is chlorothorithin. <laughs> oh, I can't. Oh, honey. Amoxicillin is the... Why am I still talking with Elizabeth? I was like... Um, it's like, are, are you okay? okay? You gotta get that down. Are we okay? Sorry, continue. Okay, so yeah. we want to talk about Kyle. I was gonna say, like, you know, you came... You're, you married your high school sweetheart, which yeah. is, like... Which is amazing and comes with a lot. Like, Absolutely. growing and coming into your own in, like, a relationship that is awesome. Right. Also, like, you know... Growing up, I remember being like, oh, high school sweethearts. Like, you watch, like, those, like, Disney mm-hmm. Channel original movies, and you watch, like, and that's, like, the goal. But it, love is not always, it's not always linear. Linear, right, right? for sure. So, like, talk, talk about that if you can. Yeah, well, it is funny. It's still something that feels, like, surreal when somebody says, you married your high school sweetheart. Like, in my brain, that, like, Disney Channel, whatever, or, like, Hallmark movie of marrying your high school sweetheart was not in my... I mean, I saw it and I knew it, but that was not something that I ever thought would happen to me. So even... Yeah, so thinking about, like, I have known Kyle since I was 14 years old. Right. And so you, I think about, like, who I was as a 14-year-old. I think about who, like, my other, like, friends were when I was 14. And some of those people... I could never be, like, for whatever reason, close with as an adult. Because sure. it's just totally different. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think there's something really special in growing up together. And it yeah. didn't feel... I think sometimes I say that and people think it sounds... Maybe... I don't know what other like people might... The perception of that. But I think... Um, Kyle and I have always like given each other room to grow so maybe that's what I mean growing up together like we are not the same people and so we're constantly adjusting to who you know we're changing into Um, it's really special it is so cool and it's a testament to y'all's relationship I mean to y'all's connection yeah that you can grow through multiple phases of your life and and multiple really hard moments. Yeah, we've been through quite a few. Yeah. Um, and, I, and still yeah. come out the other side, like, totally. committed to each other and committed to continuing to learn about Totally, each other and totally. And it's not like, you know, a walk in the park. We've been through a so. lot of different things. And even just emotionally, like, us as people, it's not, you know, it's not always smooth. Yeah. But, um... I was going to say, like, even we were... Therapy. Let's talk about therapy yes. more. But Kyle and I did couples therapy, I think, when we were, like, right before we were planning on getting engaged. And sort of, like, in that, like, post-college... Which is a time everybody needs to go to therapy. Post-college, moving to a big city, trying to start out our careers. Stress. Stressful. Yeah. And then we did counseling, like, once we were knew we were getting married, like, premarital counseling. Like, we love therapy. Both of us have individual therapists. And then it was just, nothing was, like, bad. Like, people think yeah. couples therapy should be, like, a last resort. But it's not. It has, imp- I, any time somebody's, like, I think I want to take the next step, whatever that is for a couple, I'm, like, do therapy. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, like, Go to couples therapy. It's, it's like, great. You know, like, it's so, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it's to make sure that you know how to handle a tough situation when right. it comes up. And to just open that level of communication. Right. You know? yeah, absolutely. And we, and we, like, learned about different stuff. Like, something that we learned is, like, how we handle conflict or how we communicate. And then they talk about, talk about your parents. And, like, I joke, like, my mom's going to hear this. I love my parents. But, like, sometimes we make a joke that, like, it, it is, like, as if my mom and Kyle's dad, like, had a relationship. Like, that's how we... Because that's who we, like... And we were like, that would have been terrible. Like, they would not have made... You know what I mean? And they were, like, always friendly. But, like, we're like, that's not... So we, like, get, like, into these things. And I'm like, you're acting like your dad. And then I'm like, I'm acting like my mom. Okay, we gotta stop. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny. Totally. It's just nice to have somebody in the conversation that, that... That is the person that's, like... Well, let's talk about where that comes from because Absolutely. sometimes when, it, when it's you and your significant other doing that, it can get, it can be awesome, but like 
neither of you are licensed professionals and you have an intimate relationship. So it's really important to have somebody there that's like, hold up, let's just like yeah. backtrack and talk about it, you yeah. know, and it's a safe space. It's, it's a, um, non-biased space. You're not mm-hmm. talking to your best girlfriend. That's, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing is that with a couples therapist, it's sort of, you can like, they can call out whichever bullshit, like whatever bullshit is happening and sort of Kyle and I are both stubborn, but in different ways. And so sometimes mm-hmm. it's good to just have somebody tell you, not like you're wrong, but say like, that's, let's think about it this way. And then mm-hmm. it opens up like. Oh, that's, you know, it's definitely, I think for me, given me an understanding of, it gives you like some more patience and like grace and openness with the person when you're like, okay, I know why he's upset about this or why this is this. You can sort of like learn to read them, which I think is like what a partnership is. I think that's what a friendship is too. Totally. You know, I've been having a lot of conversations recently about like, trying to see the best in your friends yeah like like not immediately jumping to the worst possible conclusion but rather looking into how how they react to situations and and giving them grace granting them that grace and then coming to them with hey this is how this made me feel totally i would love to talk to you about it and yeah i'm curious to know where you were coming from with that you know i think that's something that really improves our relationships whether they're platonic whether they're romantic yeah absolutely I agree I also would love to know because we're on one of the last days of pride month um I would love to know about like that journey of coming out I I just you talk about it yeah 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 no you're great you mentioned like when you asked me to come on that you guys wanted to talk about that. And so I was really thinking about it because I feel like for me personally, it wasn't this big coming out thing. So even when I think about like the term coming out, it sort of didn't feel like that for me. And I understand, of course, everybody's different. So I understand that for certain people. Um, For me, I actually just talked to a friend about this who's also a bisexual woman we were talking about it and she was like, it doesn't feel like a change. It feels like you're more yourself. Mm -hmm, So it was just sort of me honoring something that is a part of me. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't, so I think bisexuality also people, it takes a little longer from conversations I've had um to figure that out because so much of the world is black and white it's in binaries so literally growing up I'd be like I'm obsessed with this like girlfriend of mine and I'd be like do I think she's pretty like I want to be her or do I like her but I like boys so I can't also like her like because that's I'm not a lesbian I mean like boys and I was like oh there was another option in there (laughs) it's not one that we're taught about though no No, not at all. And even, I remember, like, with a therapist, like, I don't know, post-college, like, when I first moved to the city, I remember we were talking about something, and I said that I just thought my parents would have been the best parents to a gay kid. The therapist was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why do you say that? Or do you feel that way about yourself? I was like, no, I just think they would be great. (laughs) Which I'm like, oh, interesting. And they are great. For With my mom, it was totally a casual thing. Um, and then I love my coming out story with my dad. We were having a conversation. I said something like, I was like, well, as a queer woman. And conversation continued. And then my sweet dad comes back. He's like, I just want to like, so you are queer like you what do you can you tell me about that and my mom was like I was like oh yeah I'm I'm bi and my mom goes yeah I told you that like literally is sitting next to him she's like you know that he was like no I I didn't she was like I definitely told you that he was like no you didn't (laughs) the most married people I know they were like he was like no I no and then (laughs) and then that was last summer during quarantine so then for pride month he bought I've told you this I think he bought a pride flag and it's like off their flagpole at their house 
and um, still ha- they've had it up since then. So like <laughs> a full year. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So they've been wonderful. I think it's for me personally, like coming out or like disclosing that information to different people has not been huge. Nobody comes like into the world with these ideas. That's just no. not how it works. And so why should you come into the world not only knowing what you're attracted to, but also knowing how you should identify? Of course not. God, and it depends on the people you meet and the experiences you have. Totally. What what makes you grow as a person. Right. I mean, I also just don't understand why other people care so much about what makes somebody else feel like themselves. Well, I mean, if we're going to narrow it down, honestly there is one large group of America that cares a lot more than the other. Mm-hmm. And if we look historically, it's because people people don't like what they don't understand. And people yes. don't understand what they don't want to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, it's just kind of like, well, that doesn't identify to me. I don't identify with that. So I don't care about it. And also, like, annoying that it's getting so much attention and I just don't care about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have this feeling every time I think about contraception because it's just, it's mm-hmm. something that's very, very close to my heart. And I just like, I, I don't understand how women are so muted and put down about something that men are, are equally liable for. Like, I just, it is such a clear indication of the patriarchy. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, I hate to be that person, but I don't hate to be no, that person. No, you're not that person I because don't hate it. it's true. Oh, you're not... It's true. We're raised, we're raised to believe one thing. I, When I was in sex ed in seventh grade, I was taught in a public school that abstinence was the best way Same. to practice safe sex. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, then why are these seventh grade boys, like, talking about blowjobs and talk... Like, well, what what's, right. what's the difference? And it's just the fact that because of that, when it, when it comes to contraception, when it comes to that genetic makeup between a cisgendered couple, one person, one person's body ends up being far more responsible for what may come after. Sure. But the but it it is the men who feel a weird ownership and righteousness to any decisions that might come in contact with that body, and it's just kind of like. Why do you, if you care so much, then why do you insist on having sex with me? This, like, the idea of men feeling, I mean, I don't even know how to define, I have a story that I'm thinking of. Let me tell the story, you guys tell me, like, what this means. So, just in general, like, this whole idea, since, like, from the time Kyle and I got engaged, since we've been married... Now it's died down because I think it's more obvious that we are not planning on having kids anytime soon. I could talk about this for hours. I've I've talked to you about this a thousand times. You need to tell it. And so, because it's so frustrating. Nobody asks Kyle. Of course not. They ask me. Um, Anyway, it happened all the time. Like, you guys are getting married and then are you going to have kids right away? Like, when are you going to have kids? Like, and just all of this multiple times like since I got married close like women that I consider close like in my family if I did not like if I'm like no I don't want to drink they're like well you have something to tell us like oh are you expecting I'm like I know like I'm basically an alcoholic but I'm just like taking it easy like for one day (laughs) so just you know okay this specific story was a family friend of my like friend of my parents that I've known for a long time and the man the man was talking about him and his wife when they got married like they had kids soon after awesome amazing totally happy for your choices your prerogative right wonderful and then a joke you know he starts joking that like oh when we got married like that like making a joke that she was already pregnant or that like they had like tease you know teasing his wife fine whatever but then it became like are you like oh so at that like anniversary date like so sky sky must be pregnant and i was like haha no and he like kept asking and he was like are you sure are you he said are you sure you're not pregnant are you sure and i said 
no, actually, like, thank you so much for your concern, but I'm on my period right now. So I am sure. And then it became this, oh my God, TMI, like, uh, like I was cut out of the conversation, totally dismissed. So that, whatever, like, I don't understand what that is of like, I can comment on a woman's body if it's like about fertility or about you have a baby in your uterus. But like when my body is shedding its uterine lining, we're not going to like mince words. When my body is shedding its uterine lining, like it does every month, that's somehow gross. Well, and also like you, you, you're literally married. Like, like we all, like you've seen firsthand, like also, the only reason I could ever give you kids is because my body does that. Right. So, so you're that's, welcome. So that's the kicker. And just for the record, we <laughs> know you. this. If you don't know this, you need to know this. Never, ever ask a woman about her fertility. Don't ask a woman when she's having kids. Don't ask a woman if she, like, if she wants kids, unless you're close with that person. That's not, like, public information. Don't give somebody a hard time about, like, you should you and your partner would have such beautiful kids. You should have a baby. Somebody always said that to my cousin who thought she was never going to be able to have a baby because she has PCOS. PCOS. And it was very, very upsetting for her. She Absolutely. was told if she wanted to have kids, she would have to do IVF, have to do fertility treatments. And it was yeah. very, very hard. Yes. Now yeah. now she has a beautiful baby, but it doesn't we always... We stand. It doesn't always end up that way. And still, it even though she has a child now, that time period, that's upset. That's not... It's traumatizing for you. Of course. You carry with you. And I was going to say, like, I feel like with periods, I... The men in my life... My dad, my brother, Kyle, in general, men in my life have always been, like, great about periods. But I also didn't give them a choice, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, I assume they would have been that way, but also they were shit out of luck if not. Mm -hmm. Like, even the thing of, like, a man going to the store to buy tampons and pads, there was a thing on social media a couple years or maybe more recent time who knows of like like testing pictures of like period supplies like asking go ask your boyfriend like if they know what this is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm like if you are dating a person that has periods that is just like a common knowledge and it's just something like if your partner asks you asks you to go to the store to get that I don't know what to equate it with or like I know what allergy medication Kyle uses because he needs that if he runs out of it I can pick it up at the store like that's not a big thing I also just still can't believe that we have to pay for tampons oh yeah oh I mean it's and pads the fact that like we used it's to, unbelievable like, the fact that we used to like get condoms just handed out to us in high school but like. I have to pay $15 for a box of expensive. Well, and that, that kind of brings it back to, to the whole idea of contraception. Like, we bear the burden of everything. Like, we bear the burden of how birth control, whether you're taking pills, whether you're, if you have an IUD, how it affects your mental health, mm-hmm. how it affects your body. Your skin. I mean, like, everything. Your, I mean, yeah, it's, it's how it affects your period. How it affects your period, how it affects, you know, and, like, being able to pay for it, like, making sure you have great insurance that covers it because it doesn't cover every birth control. All of it, all of that is expensive, and it's something people don't think about. And I do remember, like, Maybe the first, you know, when the, one of the earlier times when Kyle had like gotten tampons or whatever for me. And it's not like you get like one little box. You have to like have all of the different types or whatever. Because you're, 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 it just all changes. changes. And he was like, I just spent like $40 on tampons and pads and whatever. And I was like, yeah, Uh it's fucking expensive. Oh, y'all. Okay. So, so. Forget about it. <laughs> ASMR. So, for those of you wondering what that noise was, um, the it, cow stool bar stool. The, it, ca- the cow stool. <laughs> Hello. It is indeed one of my janky bar stools. The cow stool. It's so stool. funny because if you look at them in my apartment, you're like, they're so cute. And then you try to sit on it and you feel yourself going down. Y'all, I've said from, from the jump, I was like, Mia. 
Before you ever move out of this apartment, I hope that when we're recording a podcast episode, I just hit the floor. Like, I literally... Like, that noise that every single leg. I just, like, like my ass cheeks to hit the ground. Like, I wanted to be, like, a resonant, like, oh on, boy. like... say what else i wanted to talk about like mental health what else do you guys want to talk about yeah let's let's do some mental health let's do it it can still be fun (laughs) we're like all laughing and then i'm like it's like actually maybe we could just bring the mood down well yeah tell us about your journey with mental health okay so my journey with mental health start started in high school, I would say that's the first time that I was able to acknowledge that something was not correct. Yeah. Um, so I, that was like 15, I think I went to my first therapist, psychiatrist to see somebody, to talk to somebody. Yeah. My parents were very involved at that point because I was under 18. And the goal at that point was to be put on medication with the idea of you won't need this forever. This is a tough time. Let's wean you off. So I was technically diagnosed with moderate depression and like generalized anxiety disorder. And I remember when she was like, yeah, so I think it's just like a moderate depression. I was like, nothing about this is moderate. (laughs) I was like, that's don't you dare. (laughs) Um, how, yeah. How dare you? (laughs) Um, and then, so I was take like moved off of the meds, went off to college. Um, no terrible. Like that was terrible. I don't know in what, this therapist was not the greatest for me or psychologist, psychiatrist, um, because I just don't like a major life transition. And that summer before college was challenging for other reasons as well. And it was just not a time. That's never a time I would like think you should take somebody off of medication. Anyway, so I've had, so that was sort of the beginning of it. College was tough. And then I, when I was 20, so a summer at home in college, I got, I don't know what year. Maybe after sophomore year. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was at that point, I went to a doctor, just like a general physical and was talking about mental health as well, because a physician can prescribe Prozac or Zoloft or some like lesser Mm -hmm. things that they would say are more simple to medicate, I suppose, to treat. Um, And they were like, huh, what you're describing, like, sounds like bipolar disorder. And I remember sitting there and, like, it was like, like, I lost, like, all feeling in my body. Like, I just was like, what? And it was terrifying because... I did not know what bipolar disorder was. I did not understand what that meant for me. And it's funny. I, I try to, I've always tried to approach my mental health with humor because otherwise like I couldn't get through it. Like everybody's different, but like humor and lightness, like I can do that. So I think it's funny that I, like, I make jokes that I'm, like, I'm bisexual and bipolar, so, like, I'm bi and bi, and a lot of, like, my journey of that, of the acceptance of that, has somehow been similar, not in, like, I mean, they're very different things, but in accepting part of yourself that's always been there. Mm -hmm. So some people, the ideas around, like, the diagnosis of bipolar disorder differ, so some people can have, like, a, like, a semi-psychotic break, or it won't show up, they won't have episodes until a certain point, I don't know at what point that started for me, but it definitely, my point being, is putting the label on it does not change who you are, it doesn't change any definition of you as a person, it doesn't suddenly mean, oh, you're gonna do all of these terrible things, you're, like, that's, I panicked, you think, like, okay, well, people with bipolar disorder can't do this, they can't do that, and that's not true. Well, mental health is such a stigma, and we're taught in every aspect, media, news, all of it, that, like, those kind of, also, like, disorder is a word that bothers Mm -hmm. me, that is, why can't you just say you're bipolar? Why can't you just say you are a very anxious person? Mm -hmm. Whenever, 
and it's just like it's mental health I mean this is what leads people to do very drastic things when they have a lack of when the stigma is exemplified or like you know magnetized like it's a lot and it's like you're made to feel like something is wrong with you when in reality like that is just your genetic makeup Mm, it's actually just how you function I have two I have two things because one I also feel like people bastardize the the term bipolar. Oh like, yeah. Like it's become this like it's like a joke. It, it's become a joke and it's become a way to describe something that it's not. Mm-hmm. Second of all, saying something is a disorder. I, I heard this really really fascinating um, person talk about how people with ADHD. It's it's fascinating to call that a disorder because if we look at how humans have been meant to live mm-hmm. for since the beginning of time. The fact that we are shut into a classroom for like eight hours a day and expected to be able to focus on one thing that entire time and not be in nature, mm-hmm. and that the people who can't are disordered, right. they're, they're actually the normal ones. Like <laughs> Glenn, and, you know I mean? Glenn and Doyle talks about this. Yes. Yes. She talked like... Untamed, I always say, like, Ooh, literally incredible. is my Bible. Like, don't talk to me about anything else. Mm-hmm. Glennon Doyle is incredible. Everything. incredible. Everything. So she talks about something like that, that, like, her daughter, who was, like, very sensitive, like, was so mm. upset about the polar bears being endangered, right? And the ice caps are melting. And yes. she's like, why is nobody doing anything about this? And it was like, she was seen, her daughter was seen as, like, the one having the issue. But no, why isn't anybody doing anything about the polar bears? Or how can we be expected to sit in a classroom, you know, focused on studies or whatever all day long? Or how can we how can we be expected just any of the to self regulate that way? I I do want to say for me personally, and everybody is different. The word disorder doesn't bother me because I think sometimes like when you talk about depression or you talk about mood swings or you talk about mania, all of those things are so like mis- like misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I've spent so much of my life feeling misunderstood. This is something like I'm working on in therapy because you do have to explain. I feel like I have to explain a lot. Mm-hmm. And justify, and a, justify lot. a lot. So disorder doesn't bother me because s- some people I feel don't take it seriously. So mm-hmm. even I had like somebody the other day, I was scheduling something and I was like, oh, I have therapy on Tuesday afternoons. And so they knew that. And then like later they were like, oh, you're still doing that. And I was like, probably forever. Um, that's a like a tool like that is something I do to take care of myself people have that idea of medication like would you ever tell somebody who has a chronic illness diabetes lupus PCOS would you ever tell them to stop taking the medication that their doctor gave them never no so to me disorder helps people helps me explain it to people to take it more seriously exactly yeah because all of that is so like oh like oh you're depressed so like you're just sad no actually being depressed is physically exhausting you can't get out of bed you can't go to school you can't go to work you can't socialize like that was my experience with it I mean so then to just be like yeah or for me I always say like I don't feel good today and people think oh that's a physical thing like oh do you have a headache Mm. no my entire soul my brain my body I don't feel good and so when you say that and you hear somebody say like I have a disorder I have an illness that will be with me for my entire life yeah that's true that's true so that helps me say no, I'm not a little hyper today. I could be going into an episode because I have a disorder where I can't. So, and everybody's different. No, that's true. I had a hard time, I had a hard time validating that I have an anxiety disorder. Sure. I had a hard time validating that within myself because for me, the first time one of my therapists said, you know, I hear you talking about things. And of course, 
anxiety and anxious are words that easily are thrown around all the time. Mm-hmm. People will just be like, be like, just feeling really anxious. And it's like, totally sure. But like having an actual illness where like anxiety swallows you whole yeah. is different. Um, and I remember the first time my therapist, one of my past therapists was like, why are you talking about things? I'm like, that's not, um, what the process that your mind is going through is not a process that people's minds always go through. Yeah. I think you have an anxiety disorder. And I immediately was like, no, I, no, I don't. I don't have a disorder. I'm fine. Like I, there is nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm social. I'm I'm literally fine. Yeah. And then I'm out in social settings having breakdowns. And I'm, you know, preemptively worrying about things that are months down the road that haven't happened yet. Or I'm still playing over scenarios in my head from months ago that I wish I had done differently. Right. And to this day, I have refused medication for that because it is hard for me to validate that I have a disorder. And totally. this, new, this new therapist that I have started seeing, like, you know, it's funny. She's like, so like, what brings you in? And I was just like, I'm like word vomited. And then I was like, by the way, I would like to try medication. Good for I you. I have to Good try it. You. Well, just because like we all reach the breaking point at some point where we're like, I can't do this on my own anymore. Like that's, I just can't. That's exactly well, what it is. And you're right. And I still like the word disorder does bother me. Yeah. But I don't think it's, it has to do with me. No, it for me, me for me too, because, because a label makes you like, you feel like you're put in a box. Yeah. You feel like people look at you "Mm." in a funny way and it's just kind of like, no, I can't. And one thing that I will say, which is funny that I've never mentioned this to you before, my stage manager on the Hamilton tour, she is the best person in the world because she honors mental health days. Incredible. If you, what, and also of course, because in Hamilton, physical injuries are so um regular like you know you can text her and be like hi i'm out of the show tonight and she will say is it are you ill are you injured or do you need a mental health day and if you say mental health day she says okay great we're talking it is a sick day i hope you feel better and like she's just and, and it's nice because like especially in our industry like people don't talk about that enough like and it can be a really it can feel for some people dehumanizing. Oh, a hundred percent. To yeah. to go to someone and be like, something is wrong with me, because you know? it's one of the most vulnerable like places you can put yourself in. Yeah. And it doesn't. For me, like I've made jokes with friends before that like have mental health diagnoses that like. I used to say, like, I can't be friends with anybody that doesn't have a mental health diagnosis because they just, like, don't Mm -hmm. get it. Because it is – I see the world totally differently than – I mean, and everybody does, but totally differently than somebody that doesn't experience the things that I experience. Even, you know, one of my best friends – is has been diagnosed with depression and but she doesn't understand so we can relate there but she doesn't understand like the cyclical nature of my disorder and there are just so many different aspects of it that people don't know or don't understand and that that is challenging for me I will say because I think we're talking about friendship earlier or like romantic relationships Um, I think that you owe it to your friend or your family member, whoever it is to educate yourself on what they're going through. Absolutely. And literally people will say stuff to me and I want to be like, just like if you had fucking Googled that, you would never have said something like that. Yeah. One of the worst things, I don't know why this bothers me as much as it does, but one thing that people say when I tell them that I really don't like is they'll say, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. Oh yeah. I would have never known. I would have never known. You're so put together. You seem so like this or that, or you never sat in front of me. It's like expecting me to be, but it's, it's also, you're a multifaceted human. I am organized. I try, I try to be put together. I know I come off as put together to other people. Like, especially in college, I had to have my shit together. As right. a stage manager, you for have to us, have your yeah, shit together. For other people. For other people. But that doesn't mean that I'm not in a mental health crisis or episode or whatever it is. I am a generally happy person. That's right. another thing. 
you can be depressed, you can have a just like a mental health disorder and be a happy person. And your ability to hide those moments when you're not like isn't something that people should be latching onto. Right. You know what I mean? Something that we've been trained to be good at. Because like, like because, periods. Because yeah. it is because it is a stigma. It's a stigma. Because it's messy and nobody wants to hear about it. Even it is ge- a stigma. The generation above us generally mm-hmm. they do not understand therapy. Go you go to therapy so that when something is wrong, sure you know how to handle you it. You have a toolkit of and, how to handle it. And you can go to therapy when something is wrong. I mean Kyle, right. it's not a bi- it's, it's not, not a yeah. binary. And I was going to say right. Kyle started Kyle started going to therapy <laughs> after his dad passed away and that was like grief counseling, trauma counseling. Um and then he didn't go he processed that. The therapist really helped him. I mean, incredible because yeah. that is so yeah. So hard and so yeah. Um but then, so he didn't go for a few years, and now he's really, it, it's like, he's been going for a while now. He's had the same therapist. I always get jealous. I've had, like, 16 therapists in my life, <laughs> yeah. and, like, a thousand psychiatrists, like, always. And Kyle's had, like, one therapist for, like, four years. Like, no shout way. out. Like, she's incredible. Anyway. It's amazing. Um, I'm on the search for a new one. But it's it's tricky that's why i've had 16 because it's, it's tricky tough. he got lucky i've had consultation well in this in this recent search i had like four consultations and i was like no 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 yeah. <laughs> and then i saw one and i was like there's something there which yeah. is just but it is i mean it's again the most vulnerable space yeah you and, and you and it's it's a waste of everyone's time and money to continue seeing one that you don't feel like you can be vulnerable with and that doesn't mean they're a bad therapist it just means they're not the therapist for you right like I had a therapist um, 20 in 2019 uh, like COVID I can't remember but a few years ago let's say and she like I was explaining things so okay so with bipolar disorder I'm bipolar too, which means I experience depressive episodes and hypomania. So somebody like an easy example to like see um, is Kanye West. So Kanye West, Kanye West is painful for me to see in the media sometimes because I think it is very misunderstood. Yeah. Again, like again, the misunderstanding of mental health is challenging. So and then that is also like painful for me sometimes to see Kanye West, see how people react to him, and then for me to say, oh, I also have bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, but his is very different than mine. It manifests in different ways than mine. I was going to say, so like if he, examples people have used is like he'll go into a manic episode and he'll work on an album for 24 hours a day, like all Three weeks straight. Three weeks straight, crazy long hours, and then he'll drop out of that and go into a depressive place and not be able to release the album that he just spent however much time on. So that is like a quicker, his ups and downs are more extreme maybe than mine. So for me, for type two, I don't experience that full-blown mania. Like I could never stay awake for three weeks straight, ever. But... I could be depressed and laying in bed for three weeks straight. So my sort of ups mm-hmm. and downs, like I exist in the depressive more often. Um, and so just even that, like little explanation, understanding, I think opens up so much. So I think to wrap, to wrap up maybe like mental health stuff is that it literally takes such little effort to figure out like what your person is going through to support them everybody's different so I think questions are great but a huge thing for me more recently is to be more open about it Mm -hmm. and it's so empowering I love saying it but then I do think it comes with if I'm going to share this information with you then you need to do a little bit of work or you need to ask questions and you need to bridge whatever gap is there because anytime somebody discloses something like that with you you 
it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. And I think that they told you for a reason, probably. So if they told you for a reason, respect that and figure out what you need to do to be there for that person. Yeah. So there's a lot of stigma and it can be hard. I think the best way for me personally to fight that stigma is just to say it out loud. Absolutely. Everybody's different. I have to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. And the people that fall away, the people that don't get it, the people that do, that's going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. Shed the fat, you know? Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly. Shed shed the toxic energy. Shed shed what's not serving you, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, if you open up about it and the people around you don't embrace you, then, you know, maybe they're not supposed to be there. Well, and it's even, again, to go back to how labels are so hard, I'm not any different. Just because I told you this thing about me doesn't mean I'm ever any different. I'm the same person. So if you have an issue with finding out, maybe this is harsh, but if you have an issue about finding out something, I really, I'm speaking more like maybe less like intricately supportive, like, like being the spouse to somebody with bipolar disorder is challenging. Mm-hmm. Kyle kicks ass, most supportive, always has been, literally so incredible. I can't. Yeah. Like, make sure I take – he always makes sure, like, I'm taking my meds. Yeah. He checks in so much. He's always asking questions. He's always seeing what he can do, what he can change. So that's one thing. Yeah. But I think on, like, outer circles, it's just not that hard to figure out what your friend is going through. Yeah. No, I, so yeah. maybe that's harsh, but I – that's how I, you know, that's how I feel. No, and that's why we love doing this podcast too. I think like we love opening up these conversations, like to to invite somebody into our space to talk about things like this, yeah. you know, and like to to learn from it and to come here with knowledge, but then to also also gain some new knowledge, yeah. you know, when we talk to people about their personal experiences. So right. thank you for being so oh open yeah. and brave and comfortable like coming yeah, on here and talking to us about absolutely. it we we really really appreciate it Thank oh yeah you. and we love you so much you. <laughs> uh, did you have fun yes we talked about so much so many so i much. even like when you asked me and i said like what topics to talk about i was like i don't know how long this episode is gonna be because i could talk all <laughs> oh my god day <laughs> we love to shoot the shit about yeah. pretty much everything I all know. of the things and just kind of let the conversation go where i could talk goes. about so much I love it. Um, well, that's that's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's getting hot. I know yeah, we gotta, gotta turn, we the gotta turn the AC, AC back on. on. Okay, Woo! love y'all. Bye. <laughs>